At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Larry. Caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser! Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one. Lindsey is in. Janovich the fullback. Janovich hit. Nice big hit there by Kendrick. He continues to dig. He's not. They call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And zone caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I am exercise the demons. This house is clear. And everybody to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. This is a podcast that's powered by Overtime Media, and I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. You see him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, this is the Aftermath podcast in which we traditionally kind of sift through uh, what happened in the previous game, what happened yesterday, of course, Broncos-Lions. But before we dive into that, the first thing I wanted to get your take on is what Vic Fangio had to say about Drew Locke on Sunday, specifically about whether or not they think he could be the guy. And without uh, you know reading the entire quote, long story short, he said, quote, he's done enough to show that he definitely could be the guy, close quote. Kind of contradictory to say definitely could be, right? <laughs> definitely maybe, but your take on what Fangio said. 
I mean, as far as Fangio goes, Chad, that's a pretty big statement to make about Drew Locke. In other words, it's looking like he's the guy without making any sort of promises. He's just hedging his bets. He's kind of old school in that capacity, Vic Fangio. So in terms of the Fangio scale, I would give it a solid seven in terms of compliments for Drew Locke. And you know what? After watching him play, how could you come away from his performances not thinking he has the it factor, not thinking he could be the QB1 of the future? I understand the apprehension. I understand that uh, Fangio probably understands the the history of Broncos quarterback, especially recently, but this is a new change now. This is a new breath of fresh air, and it just feels different, and I think Fangio is finally getting on the train. He might be at the caboose, but he's on the train. I don't know how you could... I mean, at this stage, I get it. It's just a quarter of the season, right? It's only four games, but it's still a significant sample size, and he's gone up against a pretty good collection of competition. Two playoff caliber teams, two division winners in the Houston Texans and the Chiefs. He went one and one. He went up against an L.A. Chargers team that you never know what you're going to get. They have a borderline, okay, I'm not making any claims here, but a borderline Hall of Fame caliber veteran quarterback in Phillip Rivers and a really tough and talented defense beat them. That was his first game. And then this last one he took care of by double digits, a team that – if you are a guy, if you are the guy, you should take care of by double digits in the Lions. So, you know, he's three and one. His touchdown to interception ratio is a healthy six to three, four games into his career. His his ratings like just over 89. He's doing really well. And for a team, especially that has been starved, to use your verbiage, Zach, they they've been out in the in the QB desert wandering these last three and a half years. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be mana, mana from heaven for these guys because I mean, we've seen this. The, the Broncos, I wrote about this right before we went live. The Broncos epitomize the reality, Zach, that unless you have a franchise quarterback, you are dead in the water. And I think Drew Locke on multiple levels of analysis has proved that he's got, uh, he's at least got that potential. He deserves more of an extended audition to prove that he can be that guy. Yeah, and you know, going even beyond stats, the whole team has just a different way about them right now. The defense is playing better. The offense is getting more involved with certain players like Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, even Devontae Booker when he's not dropping passes. It's just the fact that Locke brings something else to the table, and it's not all on-field ability. It's not all tangible stuff. It's his intangibles. It's his personality. It's his leadership. And I have the feeling the Broncos, and I even get the feeling that Fangio is kind of intimating some skepticism from John Elway, who has PTSD from the Paxton Lynch disaster, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. They're waiting, I feel like, for Locke to have that signature win. I don't know if that was a Texans game. That was a good win for him. But beating the Chiefs, for example, or beating a, a Super Bowl caliber team and, and beating them handily, then they would go all in on him, and then they would give him 2020 for sure. But we're going to kind of get these hedging their bet statements, I think, until the after the season when they have to come to the realization he is the QB1. We have to build around him. There's no one else on the roster. There's no one else we can go get. I don't want to go back to the draft. Let's build around this guy, and let's go all in, and let's support him with his confidence. Not any sort of skepticism, not any sort of reservation. Let's go all in on Drew Locke. I don't think Fangio is going to be the first one in line to do that. I do believe, though, he will eventually come around. I think, you know, John Elway, his tradition as a GM is after each season, within the first couple of days, he, he holds a press conference, grabs his head coach, they sit up there and they take questions and they look back on the season. They talk about implications moving forward, future plans as best he can, right? It's still a couple months away from the draft and free agency, but the end of season kind of gathering where we're at press conference, you're going to get, as you said, these tepid remarks, positive without fully getting going out on a limb about Locke. But I remain 
I'm, I'm confident at this point that when we get to that press conference and Elway and Fangio are sitting up there at Dove Valley at the podium, I think they're going to, that's when you're going to see them kind of display some, some, the true, the true measure of how they feel about Drew Locke. Yeah. And we still got a lot more to get to, obviously, guys. Welcome in everybody who has been hanging out in the room. Shreyas, Tim, Buana Beast, Daryl, TJ, Joel. So many of you have been hanging out with us, just waiting for us to go live. Apologies that we're about 10 minutes later than usual before we hit the go live button. But, hey, it is the holidays. I spent half my day today. The day after a Bronco game, I spent half my day out doing shopping for the kiddos. So thanks for bearing with us, you guys. we got a lot to get to. First, though, a couple of quick reminders. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, you guys, as you can see here at the ticker at the bottom of the screen, at HuddleUpPod. That's simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review on the show. If you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. That goes a long way toward helping the show in an organic way, and it also enters you into our monthly drawing, our giveaway, a hat, a shirt. We draw a couple of names out of the hat from those who did review the show on Apple Podcasts and announced the giveaway the first week of January. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, some congratulations are in order here. Let me find it. Here he is. Our good friend, superstar on Super Chat, Stephen Baumgartner, jumping in with a $25 donation. Thank and, you, of course, sir. a reminder, he was at the game. He says, hey, guys, the game was awesome. I think it would be great if we spoil the Raiders' chances on hmm. Sunday. Would Denver be in second place in the AFC West if they beat the Raiders? That's a good question, Zach. While while you're answering the first part of that, let me let me pull up the standings. Can they beat the Raiders? Absolutely, and I think they will. And the Raiders have everything to play for in this game, Chad. They are still in playoff contention, and they can actually make it into the tournament if things break a certain way. It's not out of the realm of poss- possibility, but the Raiders have to beat the Broncos, and it gives Denver more incentive now to exact revenge on the week one game, spoil the Raiders' playoff chances, and end the season on a high note. I believe they can, and I believe they will. I believe Locke will build on his effort against the Lions, and he'll go into 2020 with definite good tape to show this coaching staff. And that's, to your point, at that year-end presser, 
their remarks and their statements will reflect how Locke played the final two games. So I expect another solid performance and a Broncos victory in Week 17. I haven't done the research myself, Stephen, so I might have to circle back on this. But the Raiders are sitting at seven and eight, currently in second place. The Broncos are in third at six and nine. If the Broncos beat the Raiders, they'll they'll both finish the season at seven and nine, one and one against each other head to head. So then it comes to is a division, I think, first Zach, and then conference, and then points scored, and you know you you start getting out into the weeds. But they won't have a shot at that unless they beat the Raiders. But I think there's a there's a chance that they. They might be able to, but the Raiders actually, now that I think about it, they might have more of the tiebreakers in their pocket, but we'll see how that shakes out. And I think it can happen. I think the Denver Broncos can definitely take on the Raiders and I'm excited to see how the Broncos respond to, to this game because the Raiders do have a lot to, to play for. So they are going to get the Raiders best shot, which, you know, I mean, if you circle back to week one, now granted that feels like a lifetime ago at this point, you had Joe Flacco as the quarterback, you even had Juwan James starting at right tackle. Mm. Picture that. Imagine that. <laughs> but the Raiders handled the Broncos in that game, like solidly. And now, of course, that was in the black hole. This was going to be in Denver, different location, at home. But still, I think that game, you know, it's still sour taste in the in the Broncos' mouth. You got Drew Locke. You got that swag. You got that excitement. And it's the season finale right after Christmas in front of the home crowd. I think the Broncos are going to come out and play some inspired football. Uh, these were two different teams in week one, Chad. In week one, the Broncos were still the Flacco-led Broncos with a very inexperienced coaching staff, and they still are, but they was their first game, and there were so many new moving parts to this team. The Raiders had a good first half of the season, and they kind of unraveled as the season wore on. So it's a ton, kind of a tale of two different tapes for this game. And I do believe the Broncos will give their best, and they have all the incentive in the world. Even if the Raiders weren't in playoff contention, it's still their hated rival, it's still at home, and it's still the last game of the year with their QB of the future playing. I fully expect the Broncos to win this game, and dare I say, even win handily. It'll be interesting to see how things unfold for the Raiders post-2019 because not only are they heading to Vegas, but there have been reports, I think it was from Jason Lock and Fora, if I'm not mistaken, that the Raiders are no longer they're, – they're off the Derek Carr train. They're thinking that he, they, they, they need a quarterback that has more upside, I think is the main gist of that report. And so it'll be interesting to see if they maneuver in this coming draft to try and move up and, and get a quarterback. But at the same time – you know, Derek Carr, he hasn't quite – he's got – you know, those first four years, I think 2016 was probably his peak, and that was the yep. year that he was playing at an MVP level, and then he got hurt, and they they still made the playoffs. But he hasn't been the same player since 2016, and the trajectory has just kind of been a steady downward trend for Derek Carr. So it will be interesting to see how that unfolds for the Raiders. But QB carousel, QB instability – is is nothing but good for the Denver Broncos as far as the Raiders are concerned. Stu jumping in with a twenty dollar donation on Super Chat. Stu, you are so consistent. We love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Let's see here. Brian jumping in with a five dollar donation. He Thank says, you, Brian. "I think they need to play better to beat the Raiders." Yes. I agree. Again, the, the Lions. You know, they were similarly to the Broncos. Their postseason postseason hopes were dashed going into that game. Didn't have much to play for. Pride is always on the line, but. This is a Raiders team that, again, they handled the Broncos at closer to full strength in week one. Different quarterback, different location and all that, but they're going to have to play some really good football to take down the, the Raiders even at home. 
And here's the thing. The Raiders are a much better football team than the Detroit Lions are. But the, if the Broncos play at their best, they are a better team than the Raiders are at their best. So if the Broncos play clean, they play all four quarters, all 60 minutes, smart football, lock is lock, the defense creates some turnovers. If we get a glimpse of what we saw in the lock error and they play consistently in this game, they will beat Oakland in Week 17. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's any sort of question. If they give up their best, the Broncos are a playoff caliber team. They have all the weapons in place. It's just in terms of putting it all together at once. The ultimate litmus test will be next year Broncos Chiefs. It's mm-hmm. going to feel, <clears throat> I don't want to say fool's gold, but it's going to feel like there's another shoe about to drop if and until Drew Lock, the, the Drew Lock led Broncos beat the Chiefs. I don't care if it's in Denver or at Arrowhead, but until that happens and when that happens, that's the coming out party. That's when. Yeah. I mean, I already feel confident in Drew Locke. Uh, we've been talking about it for a few weeks now, but that's when the true coming out party will take place. Jay says, Locke is saving Fangio's job. He better give him his respect. And, you know, many a truths are said in jest. That's something my dad taught me. Many a truth are said in jest, and there is some truth to that. Not that Fangio's job was necessarily hanging in the balance, but having a young developmental franchise upside type of quarterback begin to hit his stride in the tail end down the stretch of a failed season increases or improves, I should say, the job security of a given coach, whoever the coaching staff is. Well, here's the thing. I mean, even if the Broncos would have played the entire season with Joe Flacco, Fangio was not getting fired after his first season. Guys, he could have went 1-15. The Broncos were not replacing him after only one year. The thing is, though, having a young rookie quarterback, tying yourself to him, it extends that time. It extends that honeymoon period. You can use that as the excuse. We're going through the struggles with a rookie quarterback. It's going to take some time, and I'm hitching my wagon to his star. So, it may be unintentional on Fangio's part, but it buys him a little more job security than he has going through that process, going through that development with Drew Locke, an already raw player coming out of college who's adjusting to the pros. His job, though, Vic Fangio, was never in danger. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I don't see him, you know, it was never getting fired, in my opinion. No. But it's also good, it's good for Fangio's job prospects long term, seeing Drew Locke emerge like this. And the same for Elway, even though, again, I think sure. it would take, you know, I wouldn't call it a miracle, but a, the the inverted football miracle to see John Elway get fired. Even though the Broncos, the best case scenario is they finish seven and nine this year, but it's the fourth straight year without a playoff berth. But again, hitting on a quarterback or appearing to hit on a quarterback, it breeds all sorts of job security and 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 it gives them additional rope to front offices, coaching staffs, the whole nine yards. Nick says about to feed the baby and get a good listen in. Come on, Zach and Chad, what did you think of this game? Or should we even jump into a conversation about things like Locke because of the weak team we played? Hey, listen, uh, it's not easy to come across a win in the NFL. These last four years should have reinforced that to each and every Bronco fan out there. Don't take it for granted. What I liked most about yesterday's game, two things, Zach. If the Broncos are who we think they're turning into as far as they found their guy, they got a young core, they're supposed to beat a team like the Lions at home by double digits. And what I especially liked about that game was Locke battled back from the adversity of, of kind of laying an egg at Arrowhead and a 10-point deficit to open the Lions game, battled back, and then even in the second half had to come back from behind and eventually got the Broncos way over the hump, winning by 10 points. That combined with the defense holding the Lions to under 200 total yards, it's just – it's it's – complimentary football you hate to see that special teams return which kind of 
refutes the complementary aspect, but from an offense and defense, it might not have been a full three-phase contribution in that particular game because of the return. However, the offense, I mean, the defensive players have talked about it, Zach, they were feeding off the defensive guys, feeding off what the offense was able to do. Those five consecutive scoring drives, I mean, that is like a shot in the arm to the defense. It gives them the energy, the stamina, that that spark, the juice they need to get out there and go play smothering football. Uh, you make a great point. You know, a win is a win is a win in the NFL. You never apologize for any single one. And the Broncos are learning how to win. And the sign of a good football team, Chad, like you just said, you win the games you're supposed to win. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And the Broncos are finally doing that. They beat the Chargers. I think they were supposed to beat them with Drew Locke. Uh, I think they had an advantage anyway. They beat the Lions, a lesser team, and they should beat the Raiders, who are a lesser team when both are playing at 100%. So that's what's encouraging I like about that. In terms of Drew Locke, the adversity, like you just mentioned, but on a smaller scale, series to series, he would get sacked or under pressure, didn't wilt, uh, had a bad drive or a, a draw pass, didn't cave, didn't go into a shell, he didn't panic, he wasn't crying on the bench, a la Paxton Lynch. You see the leadership ability grow each week. You see veteran players like Von Miller go above and beyond in their praise of Drew Locke, and it's genuine, it's sincere, it's the same thing we all see. He is a true leader, and you just feel the different tide turning now. You feel a new breath being squeezed in a Dove Valley, blown like one of those cake funnels on top of the cake, just squeezed in. You see it, you feel the change, and it feels good right now, Chad. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That it does. My brother Brian jumping in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. He says, I know you guys want O-line in the draft, but I still think we need two DBs and maybe a wide receiver and two offensive tackles in the draft. And I still think secondary is more important because of our division quarterbacks, Mahomes, Carr, and Rivers. And, you know, I don't want to split hairs too much with you there, Brian, because I I I agree with you that they need some cornerback help, uh, help, especially with Chris Harris Jr.'s future being kind of hanging in the balance. Because even though Chris Harris has seemed to kind of take a step back this year, my bet is, even though he'd be in what his 10th year next year, my bet is that in a second year in Fangio's scheme, you would see a much more 
consistent performance from Harris, especially if you get a healthy Bryce Callahan and you add one or two pieces through free agency or the draft to help him there in the secondary, especially cornerback. I think you'd get a better version of Chris Harris in year two because that's kind of how Fangio's defenses have trended over the years, Zach, whether it was in San Francisco, whether it was in Chicago. He didn't come in and blow the doors down the first year. It took a couple of years for guys to kind of soak it all in and acclimate to his defense because it's very much a it's a mental uh, shift for these guys. It's just a different brand of playing defensive football that forces guys to be on their P's and Q's, to know the scheme. And again, we've talked about this on the pod, and I don't want to bog down the conversation, but his scheme, especially the back end where it's coverages, it requires guys, Zach, to not only know their own responsibility, but guys around them. And so it takes time to uh, to hone that. I think we'll see a better version of Chris Harris if they find a way to keep him. But that doesn't eliminate the reality, Zach, that DBs, he, as Brian says here with Mahomes and Carr and Rivers, yeah, you need, you need better talent at DB. Duke Dawson flamed out. Uh, the other Harris, what's his name? De- Devontae Harris flamed out. You've got Will Parks playing nickel and hmm. Isaac Yadam. That's the only thing hmm. keeping the Broncos from pure oblivion at the cornerback level. I'm not going to sit here and deny the Broncos need depth at the secondary, especially if Chris Harris Jr. doesn't come back, especially if Bryce Callahan's a lemon. Those positions are important. I'm not disputing that. But there's no position more important in the entire NFL or in the entire sports world than their quarterback. And they have to do everything possible to supplement Drew Locke. If that means getting a receiver, that means getting a receiver. If that means getting a lineman or two, it means getting a lineman or two. But he is my number one priority. Uh, On the pyramid chart, on the flow chart, he is at the top. I would not go defense. If I can avoid it, I would not go, you know, defensive end or inside linebacker. I would go either wide receiver or offensive tackle, guard, center, whatever. You have to protect and build Drew Locke, not just build his confidence uh, by talking, by showing and doing with action. Build the nest, as Nick Kendall likes to say. It's a great expression because that's how you're going to succeed. You have to set yourself up for sustained success, and you do that by surrounding yourself and your quarterback with the best possible weapons. Shreyas wants to know, can Drew Locke make Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, I think the more that those two get to play together, Zach, the more you're going to see Deshaun Hamilton kind of flower, if you will. It's kind of a weird uh, word to describe football, but you'll see him begin to emerge, as it, as it were. And I think last week, yesterday against the Lions, that's a good example, six catches on six targets, 60-plus yards and a score. And then after the game, I don't know if you guys caught this, we had a story on this at milehighhuddle.com, but he – Deshaun Hamilton, Zach, compared Drew Locke because Deshaun grew up as a Packers fan, and he compared Drew Locke to Brett Favre. Hmm. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I saw a, a few loose pre-draft comparisons to you know the Tony Romos, the Brett Favres, the Patrick Mahomes of the world, and all those quarterbacks have one thing in common. They are all gunslingers. They're all natural gunslingers. They're not game managers. They're not purely pocket passers. They can move. They can throw. They can lead an offense. I love what I'm hearing, and that's what I'm talking about. The veterans on this team, the players who've been around, are all rallying around Drew Locke. They're not just saying, oh, he's good. He's this and that. They are going above and beyond. They're calling him Rocks stars are calling him the next Brett Favre that did not happen in any other time in recent memory in terms of Deshaun specifically though we mentioned it yesterday a good quarterback raises the talent of everyone else around him it's what Tom Brady has been doing for two decades now that's what Drew Locke can bring to the table that's why we're seeing Hireman more involved we're seeing Devontae Booker more involved Tim Patrick Deshaun Hamilton these guys were invisible they were not doing anything with
put Joe Flacco in the lineup, with Brandon Allen in the lineup. You put a true gunslinger in there. You put a true quarterback in there who raises the talent around him and leads the offense. It's exactly what happens. It's so encouraging. And that's one of the, the most encouraging things about Drew Locke starting, to me, anyway. Yeah, and that Texans game, Locke distributed the football to 10 different receivers, if I'm not mistaken. Yesterday yeah. it was nine. I mean, he is getting the ball to the guys that need to be fed. And Shreyas, you know, as far as Hamilton becoming a star, no, I don't think he's got it in him to be a star like a Cortland Sutton does. But he, as a route runner, I mean, he's very savvy. He's He knows how to find that soft spot in the zone. And despite some of his drops issues this year, you you got to remember, all of his drops or the two drops I'm thinking of off the top of my head, both of them were like wide open, bread basket, not mm. contested, just mental laps, man, drop the ball. When he's been going, been asked to go over the middle, multiple, almost all of his catches, especially with Drew Locke, have been boom, catch, shot, boom, catch, gets hit, and he's holding on to it. Yesterday, contested each and every time, hit, and you got you like to see that, and he has a knack for finding that soft spot in the zone, but Zach – he doesn't have the twitch. He doesn't have the ball skills. Right. He doesn't have the speed vertically to be a true star. But I think he could be a, you know, he could be a 50, 60 catch a year guy that gives you six to 900 yards receiving. And that's, you know, and if, if Law continues to grow, because if you think about it, you put Deshaun Hamilton as the slot receiver in a Peyton Manning offense. He's a guy with, under Peyton that probably could do, you know, threaten to get over a thousand yards receiving right. each and every year, even as a third option. With Drew Locke, if Locke continues to progress the way we expect him that he will, maybe that is kind of a ceiling for Deshaun Hamilton. But him emerging yesterday, and even if he duplicates that in Week 17, Zach, doesn't rule out or take a, the need for wide receiver yeah. off the board for the Denver Broncos. Because Tim Patrick, he's a solid, big-body, possession type of receiver. But he's basically, ideally, Tim Patrick's the, your backup to Cortland Sutton. When Sutton right. needs to a breather on the sideline, you got Tim Patrick to come in there and stop the gap. Hamilton is your slot guy. You need a bona fide number two who can threaten defenses vertically. Yep. And I think the Broncos are going to go into next season in the draft or free agency, but probably the draft, looking to fill that need. Perfectly said, Chad. I don't think Hamilton's upside is that of a number two wide receiver. I think at best he's a solid possession slot receiver, number three guy. I don't think the number two wide receiver is on the Broncos roster right now. They have four possession guys, five if you count Juwan Winfrey. They need a true burner to take the top off defenses. That guy is not on the roster now, and that will be your wide receiver too. That being said, though, Hamilton, they, they invested a fairly high draft pick in him. They, they developed him. They like what he brings to the table. He can be a dependable number three, number four. You always want to have those guys on your team. You can never have too many weapons, especially for a young, gunslinging quarterback. I just wouldn't bank on the Broncos making Hamilton or shoehorning him into the number two role. I don't think that's his ceiling. Number three, number four, back up, fine. But they need, like you said, Chad, like we've been talking about for almost a year, a true burner, a home run hitter. And Emmanuel Sanders, a younger, speedier, quick-twitch version of Sanders, a guy just to keep the defenses honest and allow Sutton and Patrick and Hamilton to do damage over the middle. Travis is dying to know. Will the Broncos make the playoffs? What will it take? Zach, if you could say... Three keys. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Three keys to the Broncos turning the ship around and making a true playoff push next year. What are the keys? Uh, it's got well. 
it starts and ends with quarterbacks. So Locke's development, if he continues on this path, I think that's number one. Number two is avoiding injuries, and that's not anything that Broncos can do. It's just good luck or, or lack of luck. And uh, number three is offensive line. If they can keep Locke clean, if they can protect him, open up holes for the running game, this offense will be a top 10, top 15 offense and pair that with a top 10 defense. That's a playoff caliber team right there. I have confidence in the Broncos coaching staff and Fangio settling down in year two, coming to their own. It all to me, though, depends on Locke and his development. They can keep him clean. They get him the weapons. They can be in the wild card hunt next year, and I expect them to. Yeah, I mean, with Locke under center, you're going to win those coin flip games, the games that have been basically coin flip games for the Broncos dating back to Super Bowl 50, games like the Lions game where if that's Joe Flacco under center, Brandon Allen, Case Keenum, Trevor Simeon, you're flipping a coin. You don't know if you're going to win that game. You should in a perfect world, but you really don't know. Those are the type of games that now you can look at a schedule and go, yep, Locke's going to win that one. He's going to win this mm-hmm. one. I think you've seen enough from Drew Locke where you you can really start to count on him to to win those coin flip games. To me, the key, Zach, comes down to beating the Chiefs. Can you get over the hump? Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you be David that takes down Goliath? And I think that's going to define the Broncos until they – Break the streak, man. Nine consecutive wins. That's going to be a big theme going into next season. Can you break the streak? You got to at least sell out, Zach, to to win the one in Denver. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, the AFC is so fluid every single season. There's so much parity, it seems like, in the AFC alone. So as a wild card team, even if they lose to the Chiefs, a wild card should definitely be in consideration for them. And you know what? Going into 2020, they need to have the expectation. They should prepare like they're going to be a playoff team and not just hoping to be a playoff team. They have all the pieces in place now. And if they can just handle Locke correctly and protect him and build around him, I don't see any reason why they can't win 9 or 10 games in 2020. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You got to see Locke take that step in year two, and I think we will. You got to continue to bolster the offensive line. That's the second key for me. And third is you need to get you need you need deeper talent at the secondary because you're going to get Bradley Chubb back. You're going to have Von Miller again. You need depth at corner. And if you have all those things, it's year two for these guys under Fangio. It's year two for Locke. Even if they don't completely rehaul the offensive line. Let's say McGovern is re-signed, you bring him back. But you know what? The way they like this Pat Morris dude, they might they might let McGovern walk, but that's that's a topic for an, another time. But even if you don't rehaul the offensive line, you can I think these last four games have have proven that with a more dynamic player like Locke, you can get by with a less than ideal offensive line. In fact, that's something Zach that Fangio talked about Today, quote, he said on how Locke's style has helped decrease sacks. He wouldn't quite tip his cap to it being all Locke. He talked about scheme, but here's what he said, quote, it helps in that he's got some mobility to him, but we've also schematically helped the O-line too in the last, I'm going to say, six, seven or so weeks to chip in some more, be a little bit more uh, protection conscious. The sacks have gone down because the quarterbacks have been a little bit more mobile in Allen and Locke, but schematically we've also helped the protections. But again, even even notwithstanding that, I think he's proven, Zach, that in these four games, Locke could get by with a less than perfect offensive line. Would you like better tackles? Yes. Maybe you, you – I mean, you can – if you're paying him $51 million over four years, you got to mm. expect that Juwan James is going to be there next year. Maybe this – you know, they say he's an every-other-year guy as far as the injury bug. Maybe you bank on 2020, he's there. You can get by with Bowles being the one – penalty a game type situation to me it all comes down to that secondary and getting a wide receiver now we got steven jumping in again with a ten dollar donation thanks my brother he says here's my offensive line for next year tristan Wirfs at left tackle reisner left guard connor mcgovern at center the guard from washington oh uh brandon scherf i'm i'm guessing and juan james what do you guys think dude if you get if you get brandon scherf here i know he just finished the this he's finishing the season on injured reserve but if you can pony up some of that $70 million, Zach, in cap space to get Brandon Scherf, yeah, I like the idea. And, and Wirfs, I mean, that's going to be a crapshoot in the draft. Depends on where the Broncos end up falling in the in the draft order. But, man, I salivate over the notion of, of Brandon Scherf ending up as a Bronco. And I know Nick Kendall, who's an Iowa guy, he would love that. Yeah, that's that would be a much improved offensive line on paper. And I'm a big fan of Scherf's. The only thing is, I think it's his second season ending on IR. So it's another injury-prone lineman that Elway's going to throw money at. And he did it with Donald Stevenson, Menelik Watson, Juwan James. And when you sign injury-prone players, chances are they're going to get injured again. I would be for it, but that's more question marks. And you have, you know, Worf's acclamation. If it doesn't happen right away, you're putting the, the Broncos offensive line behind. You're putting Locke in danger. So I like the mindset. I like the thinking. I'm all for upgrading and using all my capital, all my ability this offseason, the money and the draft picks to upgrade the O-line to protect Drew Locke. But Scherf, if he can stay healthy, massive upgrade. But it's just like a Derek Wolf on the offensive side. It's always a question of when is he going to go down? Is he going to stay healthy? That's a fair point. That's a great point. And that tempers my enthusiasm a little bit for Brandon Scherf. That's especially with how how bad Denver's luck has been on signing and throwing money at injury-prone offensive lineman in particular. So we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. Stu jumps in, one of our Super Chat superstars, with a question. He says, what should Locke's number one goal be this offseason? QB receiver camp, footwork. Zach, I think the biggest thing is, first and foremost, 
having the full faith and support of the organization and the organization getting out in front on a public messaging perspective and telegraphing to everybody, Locke is our guy. Yep. We're not going to go through any of these BS quarterback competitions. We're not going to play guys against each other. This locker room, the message is going to be sent. Locke's our guy. Fall into line. As far as what he can do, that just knowing that that message, it's going to give him a lift. It's going to give him a boost. It's going to help elevate him and also to settle him in as, okay, I can kind of exhale. I'm the guy. I want to see him, though, stop drifting back in the pocket, and I want to see him, you know, try a little bit harder to to have his his throwing platform, not so much his footwork dropping back under center, but, you know, he's not setting his feet the way he should. As consistently, and if he can get those things down, I, I don't think he's ever going to bat a thousand in terms of setting his feet perfectly because he knows he's got the arm, and the arm can bail you out of a lot of imperfect situations with your footwork. But I'd like to see him continue to to hone that so that it can be more consistent because that can only help him get to another level as a passer. Yeah, assuming it's a great point, Chad. And assuming the Broncos make Locke the guy this offseason, I would want Locke to embrace that. I want him to set up these these throwing camps with the receivers. I want him to take charge of that role and not look back. Be the QB one on and off the field and give him the chance. I think he will. In terms of his on-field abilities, I like, like you said, Chad, his footwork. Also, maybe taking some snaps under center, maybe learning a little more uh, of a complex offensive scheme, not just have to be pigeonholed into shotgun snaps. Just developing as a quarterback the natural progression in year two, but off the field is more important to me, is getting in your teammates' grills, getting on them, sticking with them. Even in the offseason, everyone scatters, everyone goes their separate way. I want him to constantly stay on them, constantly text them, constantly break down film with them, take hold of this role for the next decade, and never look back. Brian jumping back in with a $20 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Brian. And by the way, Brian, if you're on Twitter... Tweet us at, at HuddleUpPod. Let me know what your Twitter handle is so that I can tag you after the show. He says, if Drew pans out uh, to be a stud, does Elway get a pass? You've been critical of his QB drafts. And by the way, Trevor Simeon was a late-round quarterback, and he was labeled as a bust. I don't get that. Mm-mm. I think he was better than his draft uh, pedigree. I would agree that, I mean, Simeon outkicked his coverage as a, as a basically – you know, almost a Mr. Irrelevant caliber seventh round quarterback. If if anyone uses the bust verbiage with regard to Trevor Simeon, it's only in that the Broncos really tried to pigeonhole him. They really tried to shoehorn him in as the guy. I think a lot of that had to do with Kubiak's, you know, sympathy for the backup guy, the sympathy <laughs> for the overlooked man. Yeah. But yeah, he wasn't a bust. And I think Elway does get a pass. We've been extremely critical of his his quarterback moves and you kind of have to, especially in retrospect, you know, looking back on, you know, it's one thing to, after seeing Simeon go out and well, no, I I can't even say that. I think they botched the Paxton Lynch situation, even though Lynch did little to, to help them see through his shortcomings. I think that you have to be critical though, Zach Simeon wasn't a miss. I mean, they got more out of Simeon, than you could have ever expected in most cases, unless you're Tom Brady. I mean, he's a seventh round pick and they've got, you know, eight wins in, in his second year. And they got like, and I think he's 13 wins, maybe, maybe a couple more as a Bronco. And, you know, he won his first four starts as a Bronco, which is saying something, but eventually he careened and butted up against that ceiling and just flamed out. There's no excuse for Case Keenum. You can't pay Case Keenum that money. I know the Minnesota Miracle and all that, Zach. You can't pay him that money. And Joe Flacco, mm-hmm. I tried, dude. I tried <laughs> to 
get on that bandwagon and try and find the silver lining. But man, two and six as a starter presiding over an 0 and four start for this Denver Broncos team with that defense. I mean, you had Bradley Chubb, let us not forget for that first four games, two and six. So Elway, my point being here, guys, Elway absolutely is deserving of criticism in that he's he's just not been able to find the right guy. But I don't think it's 100% his own fault because it's, I mean, the quarterback position, it's a got man league and it's it's a premium position and, you know, teams sell out and do whatever they can to get that guy. And until and unless you have that guy, as I talked about earlier in the show, you're dead in the water. So, you know, is he does he deserve criticism? Yes. But at this point, Zach, does the Drew Locke pick, being that it's it appears as if they finally hit on a guy, does that atone for Elway's sins? It, it starts to, but I don't know how you just ignore, I'm not saying you, Chad, just in general, how anyone cannot criticize Elway when Elway himself has been critical for his shortcomings and his mistakes and, and the Paxton Lynch disaster. And, you know, second of all, how could anyone on this planet call Trevor Simeon a bust? He went 9-7, and seven, the Broncos did, in his first season as a starter. 3,400 yards, 18 touchdowns. He was the Broncos' best quarterback since Peyton Manning. It's not saying a lot, but that's a seventh-round pick who no one even heard of. Everyone wrote off, he beat out your first-round draft pick two years in a row. I'm actually a pretty big Trevor Simeon fan. He, he did the best he could do. He put the Broncos in playoff contention. And you know what? You put Trevor Simeon, that 2016 version, on last year's team, they're a lot better than the record what they finished with last year. So the lock pick, it starts to make up for his shortcomings and always, you know, whiffs at quarterback, but it does not undo the last three years. It does not undo all the, the playoff misses. It does not undo all the money he's blown on the kingdoms and the Flacco's of the world and the first round draft pick on Paxton Lynch. I think the Broncos need a winning season and a playoff berth for Broncos fans to forgive Elway for all those other failures. The one thing I'll say that I got to tip my cap to Elway is that, and I think this is why he didn't take Locke at pick 10. He was going to Broncos were in on Locke at pick 10 this year. They ended up trading back, grabbing Noah Fant. Then they grabbed Reisner because they knew they had the trade for lock consummated. So they took Reisner and got that out of the way. But he, I think not taking him in at pick 10 was an example of Elway being a little gun shy because of what happened with Paxton Lynch and yeah. just his overall misses up to that point. They didn't know Flacco was going to be a miss quite yet, obviously, but having busted out on Case Keenum, having busted out on Paxton Lynch and having seen Trevor Simeon flame out, he was a little gun shy, but you got to tip your cap to him that he eventually – you know, he kept swinging and, you know, built himself up, encouraged himself to pull the trigger on Locke at pick 42 because even though Locke is technically not a first-round pick, he brings that first-round kind of hype with him because everyone expected him to be a first-round pick. So it's kind of like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers would have fallen seven more spots in, into the second round, just because he goes in the second round, he's still going to bring some some sizzle. He's still going to bring some hype, some expectation uh, with him. And so Elway knew that but he still took him. And for that, I think he deserves at least the credit to keep on swinging and it could pay dividends. And I think it will in these final, let's see, 2021. So he's, he's extended his contract. Elway runs through 2021. So I'm with lock emerging the way he has, I don't see any reason Zach, why, why Elway won't get these final two years, especially knowing what we know about Joe Ellis and kind of how he's just allowed Elway to, to run the ship as promoted him from a VP executive position of football operations to a president title. 
Plus, no owner still in place, so there's no one there to really hold Elway accountable except for Joe Ellis. So, yeah, he's tied to Drew Locke the same way Fangio is, and and he can definitely, it goes a long way, and I, I'm with you. You commend Elway for uh, not totally shying away from it, not just signing another Brett Rippon in the seventh round or undrafted free agent. You're going in the second round, you're getting a quarterback who you liked. It was a great value, too. Let's not, yeah, let's not ignore that. That was a great value in the second round. But, yeah, you got to give Elway credit. Keep swinging. But I just think you need more than a couple wins on Drew Locke's part to just yeah. forget about Flacco and Keenum and Paxton Lynch. I don't disagree there. Our friend Larry jumping in <clears throat> with a $5 donation on Thank Super Chat. He says, what will be your reaction if Paxton Lynch plays for the Steelers this week and balls out? He's expected <laughs> to be activated this week. You know what? And we we only got time for one or two more. But you know what, Zach? If Paxton Lynch balls out for the Steelers this week, I'm going to tip my cap to him. Good for you, buddy. You figured it out. You know, you, you you hate to see a guy completely bust out that's as talented naturally as as Lynch is. He just lacked it between the ears. I'm not going to eat my heart out. It's not sour grapes. The Broncos found their guy. They got Drew Locke. I'd rather have Drew Locke than Paxton Lynch, even if Lynch goes out and, and balls out in the season finale. I mean, Lynch balled out against the Broncos in the preseason. We all pretty much said the same thing. Good for him. You finally figured it out after four years. The thing is, though, Lynch would be playing the Ravens. And even with the Ravens playing for nothing, I don't see him balling out in this game. So he's going to be more Paxton Lynch than we we know uh, we've come to expect. So I don't see that happening. All right, guys, let me find one more here, and then we got to bid you adieu for now. There was a good question here that I – oh, here we go. Last one. This is from James Dean. James Dean, you got your your moment in the sun, my brother. He says, hey, guys, do you think we could use Deontay Spencer like Kansas City uses Hill? He's a kick returner also who just learned how to run routes. I think there's some upside there. I think you'd be fooling yourself to think that it's that easy to just turn a fast guy into Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is a, you know, he represents a collection of a, a few different elite skill sets, not, you know, the speed, the quick twitch laterally, the hands, the you know, competitive spirit attacking the ball at the catch point. Like there's an athleticism in the open field running ability. He's just the complete package. And it takes more than just route running ability and speed to be a good wide receiver in this, in this league. But your point is not lost on me, James. I do think there's some potential there, especially if Locke continues to to blossom the way that, that he has. I mean, there's fast and there's Tyreek Hill fast. And there's only three people on this planet, I think, or three people in the NFL who have Tyreek level speed, Tyreek Hill level speed. So, I mean, you can use him as the burner for the last game. You can see what you have in him, but they need a pure wide receiver, not just a punt returner who can run fast and run nine routes. And to Hill's credit, he's not just a speed demon anymore. He's also become a possession receiver in a certain sense. He's expanded his route tree. He makes contested catches. He's a real all-around wide receiver. The Broncos would be smart to copy that blueprint going after a Tyree kill, maybe like a Nicole Hardman if they in the draft, uh, someone like him, but not just to take, like Chad said, one guy and have him run really fast down the field. You're not going to get the same results as a Tyree kill. All right, you guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Thanks each and every one of you for joining us, giving us some of your time on, on YouTube and or Facebook, and especially massive thanks and mile high salute to our super chat superstars tonight. Appreciate you. And again, uh, Brian, reach out to me. Let me know who you are if you have a Twitter account. I'd like to connect with you there and keep keep an eye on you and uh, connect there also because I think at this stage we'd like to send you out some uh, some swag, a little thank you for your support and and uh, you know showing up financially, help, helping us to keep the lights on. So reach out to me on Twitter if you don't have a Twitter account, Brian. Go make one. 
Follow at Huddle Up Pod and let me know who you are, my brother. But guys, that's got to do it for today. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner on Twitter, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Here is what will unfold. Zach, are we going to podcast Wednesday? It's going to be Christmas. That's usually a pod day for us. What do you want to do? Let's tell our listeners right now. I think if you're able to chat, I think we should probably stick on schedule. I think we'll have enough. I mean, let us know in the comments. Are you guys going to be, would you guys be interested in watching a Christmas podcast? I, I would lean yes, Chad. If we had a. What do you guys, what do you guys say? You guys want us to, to uh, podcast Wednesday night, Christmas? One yeah, so far. Faith. Brian, dude, my dog, you got to get on that. Right now. Go sign up right now. And if you're not, go sign up. And worst case scenario, if you have some kind of, you know, philosophical anti-Twitter thing, then reach out to us on uh, via email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com and give us your personal deets. Um, okay, guys. Well, got some we'll, yeses. Yep. We'll, we'll, plan, we'll plan on podcasting Wednesday night, typical time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. If that changes, we'll let you know on Twitter. That's another reason why you should be following the show on Twitter. But we'll uh, we'll talk to you then. If we miss you, you guys, a lot of you are going to be out at parties and seeing family and spending. You guys focus on family. If you're available and just chilling, we want you there in the pod and participate right. in the conversation. But if you if we miss you, let Zach and I both w- wish you a merry merry Christmas. Enjoy your your family. Enjoy the the holiday, and make sure you have safe travels. Happy holidays, guys, and and for this year and going forward, thank you all so much for tuning into every single Facebook, you know, not Facebook Live, but every single pod that we're doing, every single live that we're doing, watching our work, supporting us. We really do appreciate it, and we look forward to another year talking Broncos. Amen to that. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday night, and then don't forget there will be a fresh episode of Building the Broncos waiting for our podcast listeners on the RSS feed Wednesday morning, so stay tuned for that. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys Wednesday night. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.